You are now listening to the Why Is It Like That podcast, a mental health podcast where we discuss the crippling effects and stories of PTSD, anxiety, depression, and suicide. The views and opinions of our guests are not our own, but merely their side of the story related to trauma, addiction, and mental health. We are real, raw, and uncut. The stories you hear are not easy to hear. Listener discretion is advised. I'm your host, Trey Trevino, alongside your other host, Heath Garcia. We both suffer from PTSD, anxiety, and depression, just like you. Together, we have over 30 years experience in the United States Navy and have seen firsthand effects of mental health on our society and ask the question, why is it like that? We share your stories to provide freedom and comfort to the people of this world, that there is hope, that there is peace, and that we will all be okay. But first, I'd like to start by taking a moment of silence for the ones we've lost to this mind battle, to our military that we have lost, and to the soldiers, sailors, marines, coasties, and airmen that are deployed in harm's way, away from their families, missing their child being born, birthdays, anniversaries, and even deaths of loved ones. Not what y'all been waiting for. The Why Is It Like That podcast. Let's get it. Welcome to Why Is It Like That podcast. Uh, my name's Trey Trevino. I got Heath Garcia here next to me right now. And uh, today we're interviewing Daniel and Ginger Fenwick from Bees for Vets. Uh, Bees for Vets is a, a nonprofit organization from uh, Reno, Nevada, and uh, they provide hands-on training and beekeeping for veterans and first responders suffering from PTSD and or TBI. Um, from their website, it says, learning the skills of beekeeping also teaches mindfulness or staying in the moment. And for those that are interested in watching the extreme sport of uh, honeybee wrangling, they offer peaceful seating and a sunny day of possibilities at the apiary. So we're... Very happy to have you all on here. I, I read about y'all on uh, online on a Facebook article I was reading, and I said, man, this is awesome. It'd be perfect to have them on the show just because that's something so different. I've never heard of it before, you know, um, de- you know, messing with bees to help out with PTSD or any anything along those lines. So that's pretty awesome to have you all on here. Thank you. Yeah, it is, it is pretty crazy. And people always ask, how does that work? <laughs> well, <laughs> but it really does. <laughs> So Dan and Ginger, I got a question right off the bat. Have you ever worked with horses? I'm horribly allergic, so no. <laughs> okay. I actually, when I lived in England, I took equestrian uh, riding. So I, I do have a little bit of a horse background, but I would, I'm nowhere near even being an amateur. <laughs> okay. So we'll, so that's good. I know that Ginger has a little bit of background. So we'll save that question for a little bit in the later on. Cause it, it just popped in my mind, but okay. Um, well, let's Go get going then. Uh, so we just gave a brief, you know, spiel about what be, uh, Bees for Vets is, but why don't you give us a little bit more of an in-depth view and perspective for our listeners out there on what your or, your 3C organization actually does? Sure. So um, what we do is each year we take 10 participants and those can be either veterans or uh, first responders who uh, identify as having PTSD or TBI. We don't require any documentation. And then for a B season, which for us in Nevada starts about April and then goes to the following April, we take them through a year in the apiary. And 
we know that a year's commitment every Saturday is pretty big. So if they can't make it for a couple Saturdays, it's no big deal. We understand that life happens. And so what we do during that year is we're taking them through installation of a hive all the way through to winterizing of a hive. You know, we're harvesting honey. And then in the spring, we teach them how to split those hives. Mm. And along the way, what our participants are learning is mindfulness, which you read off the website, staying in the moment. Mm-hmm. Imagine having 60,000 bees in your face. What are you going to do? You're going to stay in the moment. You're not going to be anywhere else. You're going to be thinking about what's going on right now. And you're going to be um, learning how to relax, <laughs> to be attentive. And so that's program. in addition to every Saturday being out in the apiary, very hands-on in the hive. Um, for those Saturdays where maybe the weather's not good or now as we go into fall, when we can't actually go to the apiary, we teach other things. Mead making is always really popular. And we either do that here in the house or this year we were lucky enough to take a tour of a local meadery and they showed us the more commercial side of mead making. Hmm. We teach them what to do with the products of the hive. So in addition to honey, you also get wax. And so you can make lip balm and hand salve and all kinds of stuff with wax. And you, I'm sorry. I said, right. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then another product of the hive is propolis, which is uh, a a medicine that the bees kind of make for themselves. And we humans figured out how to use it to help us. It's antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal. And so you can turn that also into a product to use. Wow. That is amazing. And that's year round. So, um, I could imagine, um, how did it begin? How did you guys begin this? Well, I'm along for the ride. Part of it. <laughs> He's kind of my groupie on this one, I guess. But um, I come from a, a military family, and uh, quite a few years ago, I came across a brochure from 1919, and it's linked off of our website. And it was a brochure written by the U.S. government, beekeeping disabled um, veterans. So um, whether it was or what they termed shell shock, which today is known as PTSD. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, if they are doing it back then, why aren't we doing it now? At the time, I think the suicide rate among veterans was a little higher than it is now. But, you know, either way, it wasn't something we wanted. So I said to uh, Daniel, I said, you know, if we can even help one person in our local community, I think we need to give it a try. So I reached out to a gentleman who had a program like this in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Uh, His name's Jim Cormick. And he basically said, hey, just do it. You don't need any other anything else except a willingness and a passion, which I did. So that's pretty much how it started. Wow. And when it started, right, because I mean, um, where I work at, we actually, it's, it's like a farm kind of country store and we actually sell a lot of the equipment that, you know, to get started, I guess, to get a hive started. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that I couldn't just buy that stuff and then I'd know what I was doing, obviously, but, <laughs> um, you know, I wouldn't want to play around either and, and think I did, but, um, yeah, how, like, how does that spread? Like, I, I mean, you talked about cracking hives and things like that, like, you know, how does, how does those hives get bigger and then spread and how, like, I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking about the logistics of it. 
Well, it's you start by buying equipment and hers started with we were in Costco and she'd been talking about wanting to do this. <laughs> and they had a beehive kit up for sale. Hmm. And she's staring at it and staring at it and staring at it. And I said, oh, just buy it. So she did. And then the next spring we got bees. And within six weeks, those bees died, which is common for new beekeepers. So I found her more bees and we did a couple more hives and then they did okay. And now we're where we are now. Hmm. So as you go, bees, the hive is kind of a super organism and it splits kind of like an amoeba is how mm-hmm. it replicates. So a bee swarm is half the hive up and left to go create a new colony. It's what they do. So you can manually do that. You can go in in the spring and you can split the colony yourself. And that's how beekeepers make more bees. That's how bee breeders um, create new colonies is they keep splitting the hives. And then you add queens or um, you let them make their own from it, the eggs that are in the cells, depending on how much time you've got, where you are, what time of year, that kind of thing. And that's how you get more hives. And that's the end of the process we go through with our guys. We're just winterizing the hives now. In the next week or two, we'll be done being able to get in the hives for the year. And then we'll teach some other stuff off and on over the winter. And then come, if we get a warm day, we'll do a mite treatment in the middle of the winter somewhere. And then March or April, we'll go out and check all the hives. And anything that we can split, we'll split and teach them how to do so. So they have looked at the whole thing from installing the bees to begin with, clear through splitting the hives to replicate to make more. And then um, one thing I also forgot to mention was... Uh, Our participants make it through this B year, April to April, and they graduate from the program. They keep all the equipment and their bees all for free that they can take home and put in their backyard or their neighbor's backyard, and they can continue receiving the benefits of beekeeping that we, you know, are no longer providing for them. They're always welcome to come back as volunteers to help the next set of 10 but we wanted to be able to give them something that they could take home and put in their backyard. Yeah, what she means by equipment is they keep all their safety equipment. So they get their jacket, they get their hive tool, they get their smoker. We give them a basic beekeeping book. They get all of that. And then we also give them a hive of bees. So they get all the boxes, all the equipment, you know, frames, everything mm-hmm. that makes one hive and the bees to go in it at the end wow. of the year. And, and when did y'all, st- I, I didn't even ask, like how long ago did y'all start this? We just finished our just finishing our second year as students, and then we kept bees for a couple of years or so before that. Okay, um, is <clears throat> so like beekeeping. When I'm thinking about you know, because I'm not obviously, I'm, I'm kind of picturing this as a guy that doesn't mess with bees, obviously. <laughs> um, but if I'm if I'm sitting in in my backyard looking over at my neighbor's house, is it? Very safe and common to have a, you know, like a a bee colony <laughs> in my backyard, or do you need like more? <laughs> yeah. Well, part of it depends on where you live. Some places it's legal, some it's not. Where we are, it's legal. We have two hives in our backyard, and we use our backyard. The bees don't bother you unless mm-hmm. you bother the hive. Um, Which you guys do all the time. <laughs> well, no, when you're inspecting we the hive, you really do. <laughs> so but most there- of the time you leave them be. So is it like a, are you like in a netted area where they can't get out of, or they're just like, just no, but we have a six foot fence all the way around. When the bees leave the hive, they will go as high as they have to go to get out of the area they're in. They'll stay that high until they get to the food they want. So Mm. once they go over the fence, they're not down bothering the neighbors or their pets, unless the neighbors have a whole bunch of flowers and they're sitting in the middle of them. Oh, okay. Got it. And even then the bee is grocery shopping when they're out at flowers. They don't care about you unless you swat at them. They're picking up 
nectar and pollen and going back to the hive to feed their babies. And that's what they do all day. I need to have my wife on the show because she needs to hear this because if anytime there's a bee next to her, she's like, ah! she's <laughs> going all crazy. And she that is how be, to get stung. She could be confusing it with a wasp and, then, you know, they wake up angry, but honeybees don't. They, they've got too much to do. Yeah, we're from, me and my wife are from uh, South Texas and we have a ton of yellow jackets out there. Tons of them. Yeah, and those plus, are not nice. In Texas, you've also got Africanized bees. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's very likely that if she had bees around her, it, it might have been an Africanized kind. But Daniel and I buy docile honeybees. That doesn't mean they won't sting you, but we buy honeybee stock so that our participants aren't aren't having to worry about angry bees, nasty bees, bad bees. These are gentle bees so that they get the best experience that we can provide. Awesome. Um, so we've, we've talked about the process of when you guys are doing your harvesting and splitting, you know, the hives and everything that goes with it. And here's my question about PTSD. You guys work with a lot of vets with PTSD. Um, for triggers wise, is there any type of triggers that you've noticed with honeybee uh, upkeep or anything like that? Is it is it a very fearsome, you know, or fearful uh, type of action to begin with? And and because I know, and I'll go to this horse thing now since I've, okay. I've got a a break here. But I know that equestrian therapy is huge, uh, especially when I did it uh, when I went to inpatient treatment myself, and it's all about the feeling of the horse because the horse is, it's not a predator. <clears throat> so naturally they can sense every emotion that you have. If you're aggressive, the horse feels it and the horse moves away from you. Um, if you're calm, the horse relaxes, you know what I mean? You can, and you can see these actions. Mm-hmm. Is there any similar type of actions that bees can have, you know what I mean? Like in, in a, can they not sense like a horse, obviously, I mean, the brain capacity of a horse and a bee probably way different, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can tell you one funny story. We had someone brand new into the apiary that said very quietly, they leaned into me and said, can they smell my fear? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want to be a poop, you go, yep, they can, right. <laughs> but they can't. So if I walk out into the apiary and let's say I've just had a, a bad day at work or you know, Dan and I have had a fight and I am moving around the hive um, and not being conscious of my movements, I'm moving rapidly, my arms, maybe I'm opening the hive in a harsh way, moving the frames around and I'm not thinking the bees are going to trigger off of that. As Uh. for a uh, participant triggering off the bees, the only thing that um, we've run into or I've heard is that um, in some uh, experiences that participants have had in their uh, military career, sometimes bullets and bees get confused in memory over time because the bugs might have been attracted to something, there's bullets flying, and so flying insects can trigger memories. We have never experienced anyone in our apiary that I'm aware of having an active trigger off the insects. We did have a participant who was very um, frightened of 
insects when he came the very first day. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that he became one of our best, most gentle beekeepers. He loved it. He absolutely loved it. After about the first time he got his face in a hive, he loved those girls. <laughs> he did. That's great. I mean, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm being really, you know, that's, that's really great. I'm being very optimistic about this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, as far as I can definitely understand what you mean, you know, some, some viewers or listeners might not understand what you're kind of saying about how the bees kind of sound like bullets in a way or flying. The flying sounds like bullets. And that's um, being in, in a firefight myself. I, I, I know exactly how that sounds and I could see how potentially that could make uh, somebody that's been in that type of a situation kind of have uh, some sort of a flashback or a memory that comes back from that sound, especially from, you know, uh, tracer rounds and things going by you. It definitely sounds like, like, yeah, I could see that the buzzing. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Now yeah. what we have found though, that we haven't had anybody with those reactions. What we tend to have instead is they will go stand in the middle of all the flying buzzing bees. Mm. They'll find, you know, cause you get the apiary particularly on a warm day and there's bees flying everywhere and you get this background, just kind of low level buzz all over white noise type buzz. Mm -hmm. And they'll just go stand in the middle of it. And you can watch them relax. Oh, I don't know if it's the noise. I don't know if it's the level of stimulation watching the bees. I, I can't say, but I know you can watch it. You can see it. They just kind of go, ah, <laughs> and stand there. Wow. That, yeah, that's okay. I get that too, because like, I can't sleep at night without some type of fan or something going on. If it's too quiet, I will, I will be on the alert. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could probably see how that, that could be potentially what they're, what they're experiencing at that time is that white noise, like you said, and it probably is very calming. Yeah, it could be. And you get the same thing when you open a hive, the hive has a low level hum to it. That's also part of the triggers that tell them that they're not paying attention. Cause when the bees start getting upset, the first thing that happens is the pitch changes. It gets deeper and louder when the hive starting to get upset. So. Cause they all, they all work together, right? You're saying that it's an organism, right? Yeah. yeah. And so. Bees, the last thing a bee wants to do is sting you because they die when they do it. So they give you all kinds of warning first. But you go through the hive, if you're not paying attention, the first thing that happens is the pitch changes. Mm -hmm. Well, that's your reminder. Oh, hey, I need to watch what I'm doing. I need to slow down. I need to you know, be more um, smooth or gentle in my motions. And that's usually about as far as it gets. Very seldom have we had um, bees come out of a hive angry. And usually it's one or two. It's not you know, swarms of them like you see in the movie. Um, well, that's a relief. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> believe me for everybody. <laughs> and like Ginger said, we do specifically buy from breeders who breed for gentle bees. So they don't make as much honey. Um, they may not overwinter as well as some of the other genetic traits. But I do not want to have somebody who has issues get those compounded by participating with us. I want it to help them. So I'd rather have to buy more bees. Um, we get less honey, those kinds of things, in order for them to have a positive experience if that makes sense yeah it absolutely does absolutely so i'll just kind of piggyback on what dan was saying about how um, the pitch changes and just being aware of sounds that 
change in um, their pitch is the first indication that the bees are getting a little, what's going on, you know, because we are doing a home invasion. That's basically mm -hmm. what a hive inspection is. So first you're going to see or, or hear the hum. Then if you're not paying attention, you're going to start feeling bees headbutting you. They're going to just be running into your, your chest or your back. And that is their next indication. Hey, you know, come back to the moment. You're not paying attention. Let's say that you blow through that. You're, you're somewhere else. The next thing they do is they're going to cling onto your face. Uh, we wear a, a mask so they can't get to our face. But bees like to go for eyeballs because they're very um, delicate. It's going to cause the most um, pain if they right. could get to your face. So they're going to cling around your face and they're going to make a much louder <clears throat> sound. And by about that time, they really don't have to go any, um, but after that's when they're actively going to try to sting. They're going to try to get somewhere into your hands or somewhere. In e at each stage, they're increasing, hopefully, your awareness that you're not doing something right. So, so let me ask you, if, if there's like a, somebody that doesn't have protective and they're in their backyards or somewhere like that and they find themselves being attacked by bees, like what should they do? I can't imagine where you would be attacked by bees. Um, I could. No. Now, well, if you, if you live somewhere, if you live somewhere with Africanized bees, that is a possibility. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like my grandparents, you know, I know that they they took off running, were rolling around on the ground, they go to the hospital, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Like, well, go inside. Go inside. Um, well, Africanized bees. You know the old bit about you know jump in a swimming pool and the bees will go away. No. Yeah. Most bees will. Africanized bees will not. They will They're wait for you wait. to come back up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know they get mad. I know they get mad. They follow you. So yes. you know, those those are not the bees one wants to keep. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I mean, just I guess the not what I meant in general. Bees, they're not going to go attack na your neighbors in your neighbor's yard half a block away. They're not going anywhere. If you do something in your backyard, you know, you, you've got a big dog and it knocks the hive over, mm -hmm. you're going to have a bunch of unhappy bees. They're going to be unhappy to you. Um, put on your bee coat, go out, pick the hive back up, and then let them be for a couple hours. They'll all go back in the hive and everything. Okay. Yeah, one day we actually had to tear apart a hive. It was a really big hive. It was in a <clears throat> urban backyard, and the bees were not happy with what we were doing. And right over the fence, I mean directly, you know, eight feet away, there was a um, summer children's party and they were all in their little bathing suits running around and they never knew on the other side and at one point we had a lot of fresh cut comb honey out of this hive because we had to do stuff in it anyway and we were handing it over the fence to the grandma and mm. nobody got stung so you know if you're sitting in your backyard and you know heaven forbid something weird happens and all these bees come at you just go mm -hmm. in the house there's really not anything you're going to be able to do outside without protective equipment okay awesome so you know you work with the vets and stuff or, or any of both of you any of y'all vets or maybe you have family that are that served or anything like that we are not my son's in um active serving combat medic in the army okay um, who's just finished up his uh, tour in Korea and is on his way to his next duty assignment. I have a cousin that flew for the Navy for 22 years. I have a third or fourth cousin, second cousin, I don't remember. Anyway, my mother's cousin's cousin, however that works out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> her father was um, a Korea War veteran who was killed in action in Korea. So there's veterans on my side of the family, and then Ginger's got 
a few as well. So, yeah, okay. well, our our family came to um, the Americas back in 1650. Honeybees came in 1620, and I don't know if you know much about honeybees, but the products of the hives um, are were greatly used in military campaigns historically. Uh, if you were a beekeeper, you didn't have to participate in the draft because the government needed you here more taking care of bees than overseas fighting in world. Wow. So um, my family has been fighting in every military engagement since we got here. Uh, my great grandfather I mentioned was the one from World War One. Mm-hmm. I had an uncle that um, survived the Bataan death march. So I, I have a lot and it's for them that I'm doing this. Awesome. awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, <clears throat> so if I wanted to say, because you're in Reno, um, if I wanted to say do this and participate, um, where could we go? Is there any other, you know, bees for vets type uh, organizations that you're aware of in any other state? Is this is this something that's spreading, uh, you know, or is this something that has the potential to spread or any insight on that? I think it's got a lot of potential. At the moment, there's only a few programs, and I think we're the only one on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. UMS has a big program. It's mostly online. It's not hands-on. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you get as much advantage out of it. And I'll sidetrack here for a minute and mention that part of what we do, not only are we teaching mindfulness, but we have all the guys out in the apiary together. So we're giving them back that team they used to be part of. Yeah. Big deal. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's a, a major thing. It is. So we're giving them the team. We're giving them that something to belong to. Again, you can't get with an online program. And we had a really nice call with the people at UMS and they wish they could do their program like we do because of that. There's a VA hospital in New Hampshire that has just started a beekeeping program on their grounds. There's the one in West Virginia, which is now a full-size veterans to agriculture program. Mm -hmm. I think I read somewhere somebody was starting one in Indiana or somewhere like that. I don't remember for sure. And maybe one in Alabama or Louisiana, but I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything about them. I don't know if they actually got off the ground or if on the planning stages what. But here, here's what I would say. If Heath, wherever you are, if you are interested in even um, not necessarily participating in a hive inspection, but maybe just standing in the apiary and watching, if you contacted your local beekeeping club, there's one, I guarantee, in every state and just try to get one in your local community. If you reached out to them and just said, hey, you know, I'm interested in just watching a hive inspection, being in an apiary, I'm pretty sure that there would be a beekeeper that would invite you out. I mean, we're kind of crazy and we love to spread the crazy. So I, 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 yeah, I we know. know about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, our, so lo- if- our local bee club is full of veterans. There's awesome. quite a few in it. So if you were to go to our local bee club and say, hey, I'm a veteran, I want to look at some beekeeping, one of those guys would take you out. Um, like take me out, like, or like, take me out to the apiary. <laughs> they, they, they take you to the apiary. <laughs> Depends on how you ask, I guess. That's possible too, yeah. So, so our guys, I know we got a bunch of uh, Navy brothers and sisters out there in Fallon, which is not too far away from y'all. If they wanted to volunteer or go check it out, they could just call y'all just up or get on the website. Just get in touch with us. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. You betcha. And how, Anybody how they, who's interested, they can contact us through the website. Um We've got a contact form on there. They can email beekeeper at beesforvets.org. Um, either that's, my wife or I will get back to them. And that's the number. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
any, I said anybody, if somebody wants to, a donor wants to come see what we do before they donate, they can mm-hmm. do that. Uh, people that want to volunteer and help veterans and they're interested in beekeeping, they don't have to know anything to start. We'll teach them the basics right along with the students. Most of our guys, we have some with physical issues, so they can't lift things. Right. We have one participant this year that's that spent about half the year on crutches. So he couldn't lift anything, not even just a single frame of bees. So we had a volunteer who would lift things and hold them for him to look at. Well, so he still got to participate. Nice. Yeah. Um, so we need volunteers to do that. We need volunteers to help build the equipment. Um, we had a fundraising thing where we needed people to man a booth at the Reno Air Races. And we were actually selling Reno Air Race merchandise and in return, the air races would give us a donation. So we had volunteers who did that, who don't want anything to do with bees, but they like what we do. So they volunteered to help that way. So we have volunteers that can do those kinds of things. Right. Just to raise um, awareness and funding. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. People want to just hand out flyers. You know, we print up flyers and if, you know, they work at the VA or they know people on posts that have issues, they can just go give out flyers to these. Anything that helps get the word out about what we do and how we can help somebody and gets it to the person that needs the help is perfect for us. So, okay. All right. Now I got another couple questions here that, um, so you were talking about handing the honeycomb over the fence to the grandma, right? Um, how do you refine honey when you get it and what do you do with it? I mean, from the program, do you, do you actually sell it locally or I, you know what I mean? Cause I know you're a nonprofit. So, um, I mean, I'm just kind of curious as as to how that works. We use our honey as a donation incentive. Okay. So kind of kind of like public TV gives you recordings of the broadcast if you donate during the show. Right. They're doing their fundraising drives. If you donate to us, one of our donation incentives is honey. Um, another one is wax. We have done lip balms. We've done skin salves, which are made with the waxes mm-hmm. out of the hive. Um, so all of that is things we use as donation incentives. We don't actually sell. We do have a state producer's certificate so that we can do something with the honey but we don't actually sell it. That gets into a whole nother set of federal regulations. We just don't Mm. want to have to deal with. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I bet. But we show, we do simple um, extraction. We do what they call crush and strain. So you got a big um, bucket with a strainer type thing on top and you cut Mm -hmm. the comb into it and kind of crush it up and let it drain through. Okay. And we do that because we can show the guys how to do that with stuff in their backyard. They've got right. one hive or two hives. You're not going to have enough frames of honey to use the fancy extractors you see if you go watch the videos online. Yeah, where they like put it in there and it's like it's like it. a washing machine. Yeah, and it yeah. spins it. Yeah, yeah, but you got to have a lot of frames to do that. If you only have two hives in your yard, you're never going to have that many friends. So we're trying to show them what they can do with simple stuff, and then we'll show them videos of others. This year we have one student who wants to become a commercial beekeeper. He ran into this, saw it, loves it. That is his goal is to have bees, do pollination, make honey, do all, you know, all the commercial beekeeping stuff. So with him, we've shown him some other stuff that, um, you know, here's how they do this. Here's how they do that. Here's videos you can watch on how some of them. And there's a beekeeper back east who has now offered to teach veterans for free on the commercial end. And so we've told this guy, go talk to this guy. Um, You'd have to take your vacation and go to Georgia, but you could spend a week with him and he will teach you the more commercial end of the business that we can't really do with our small apiary and our So we try to do things like that for him. You know, you can, you can eat wax heath. So if you were the person on the other side of the fence and I handed you the honeycomb, you could eat it just the way it was. Yeah. Uh, most people, you kind of 
crush the honeycomb with your tongue and then you can spit out the wax mm-hmm. or you can ingest it. It's up to you. It's totally edible. Yeah. You can chew it like gum until it quits tasting like honey and then spit it out if you want. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Put it. I'm going to pack it in my lip like some chewing tobacco too. <laughs> you could. You could. <laughs> and how does, the t- how does it taste? Is it a lot... Uh, cleaner, sweeter? I mean, what, in your opinion, how does, you know what I mean? I'm sure it's better, but it has more taste. Yeah. It has a lot more taste. Well, we're, we're don't, our honey is, um, raw. We filter it through once as Dan said, but Mm -hmm. you're just getting the raw honey straight out of the hive. It hasn't been pasteurized. It still has people like to say bee spit in it. You've got all the bee enzymes that are still alive in the honey and it does have a very different taste. I think it's a, a much better taste. Um, if you ever go to the grocery store um, and buy honey off the shelf and I'm not, I'm not um, naming any brands or anything like that, but I think honey is the second most adulterated product in the um, United States uh, grocery stores. Mm-hmm. And if you just grab a, a bottle of commercial honey and you flip it over and that bubble goes up really fast. We call it the bloop test. If it bloops up there really fast, it's likely been cut with um, high corn, corn syrup yeah. or corn rice syrup. syrup. Yeah. Or um, brown rice syrup. The Chinese yeah. cut, sir- cut honey with brown rice syrup because it doesn't show up on the USDA tests. Oh. And then since the USDA won't let them import that much honey from China, they transship it. So the Philippines and Malaysia sell way more honey to the United States than they can possibly make in a year. <laughs> yeah, that's from China. Obviously. Yeah, and a lot of that is cut with brown rice syrup. Um, <laughs> so when you buy your honey, you're not really getting honey. So how yeah, much so- honey do you get out of, say, two frames? If if you're, you know what I mean. If you're doing it, is it enough for your family for a while until the colony recreates? And- yeah, yeah, actually, you can get. A large frame can go up to about eight pounds. It's probably more like about six pounds of honey. Mm. Um, maybe a little less. It depends on how long it's been in and how thick the bees draw the comb and so on. But you're getting five or six pounds out of it. The smaller frames that you tend to use in what they call honey supers, it's the ones you put on top for them to build honey and for you to harvest, mm-hmm. are about two-thirds of that. So you're going to get four pounds maybe off one of them. Okay, honey so. weighs half again its liquid volume. So six pounds uh. of honey... Um, I have to do the 30. I can't. So it would be that. like 64 ounces, liquid, 64 liquid ounces of honey. That'd be two quarts. That's a lot of honey. Yeah. But, you know, if you've got Winnie the Poohs out there, that might not be that much. <laughs> so. If you've got a house full of kids, look out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so once they discover real honey, they're not going to want this um, stuff from the grocery store anymore either. Well, you're, you're making me not want to buy the stuff from the grocery <laughs> store. Buy honey from a local beekeeper. If That's a good it's, idea. It'll cost you a little more. But find one that you can see where they've got bees. Okay. So that you're, you that know you're actually price. buying honey from somebody who actually has their own bees. Because the other thing people do is they go to Costco and buy it in bulk, rebottle it, and claim it's um, local honey. <laughs> Dang, that's like totally messed up. <laughs> it is. So buy honey from somebody you know actually has bees. <laughs> but that gets you your local honey. You see there's a little bit of local pollen in it, so it can help with allergies. And that's the big thing. Yeah. Like I, you know. I definitely know, heard about that a long time ago. Um, so I'm going to ask you this question. Um, best advice you can leave our listeners in regards to mental health and seeking help in your opinion. What do you think? And this, this is not just for 
um, you know, our show, you've kind of, you know, you've listened to the episode. So it's not really just genuinely dedicated to combat trauma. We're talking about all kinds of trauma, mm-hmm. uh, sexual trauma, adult trauma, childhood trauma. So um, all these types of traumas, you know, what's the best advice you can leave them? Don't be ashamed. Go ask for help. There's people out there who will care enough to try to help you. That's great advice. Yeah, and, and I'm reminded of, um, if you ever heard of um, Admiral McRaven, I think he gave a commencement address many years. You can find it on the internet. And That's my favorite his, commencement. Well, it's fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? Do you remember what one of his life lessons were? Find someone to help you paddle. Yep. I, I always, you know, when I'm running into hard times, I find someone to help me paddle. And that's that's a great message to put out there too. And we always try to, you know, it's it's one of those things where we we see ourselves a lot helping each other over that wall, and then we look up, you know, and we've we've helped everybody else, and then we look up, and when we're in that that spot to where now we need to get over the wall, and sometimes, you know, there's nobody there. So that's great advice. You know, always reach back, make sure you pull your your other person up with you. You know, mm-hmm. that too. Yeah, Absolutely. don't leave anybody behind. Yep. Okay. So now is it's time for Trey's Why is it like that funnies? <laughs> I didn't I didn't come up with any. Oh, you didn't come up. I tried up. to come up with a lot of them, but I couldn't find a bunch of them. It was kind of a I, I wanted to know like uh what's your best joke you got? Your best B joke. I'm sure y'all have a ton of them. Oh my gosh. We don't tell B jokes. No? No. Really? I mean, okay. we don't even haze people really bad. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Here we go. I'm going to throw you one. You ready? Okay. All right. What kind of bees make milk? <laughs> what kind? <laughs> <laughs> Boobies. There you go. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> we need one of those sound effects oh, things. Yeah, that was doing. <laughs> oh, the guys are going to love that one. Right? <laughs> What do you I, say I, to a nosy bee? How's that? Bug off. No. Mind your own <laughs> business. <laughs> business. <laughs> I thought you were going to say beeswax. Oh, or that. Yeah, you we'll can do that too. Yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> Where do bees sit? Come on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> on totally the beehives. <laughs> All right. One more. Last one. Last one. All right. Here we go. All right. What do you call a bee who prefers nectar to pollen? I have no idea. Snobby. (laughs) Man, you guys have been great. You guys have been great. It's good to get a laugh. We're always talking about some deep, dark stuff all the time. So it's good to... Um, you know, laugh and, and, and know that there's there's good stuff out there like this where you can just go on the back, like you said, and just stand in between a bunch of bees and just be calm, knowing, you know, most people are like, this is dangerous. Oh, my God, I'm going to get killed by them. And to, and just to know that they can just chill. Yep. And if there's people in your area that can go there, yep. learn this yep. a whole year, take everything home, do it for themselves, maybe want to do it commercialized like you had that one guy do. This is good stuff. It was great yep. having you on the show. And you never Thank know you that so this much. this might pass on to the local bee, you know, the beekeepers around the area, and, and they might spark the interest to try to start incorporating vets into, you know, working with them as well. And I, I think maybe it would be fantastic spread. if it did. The awesome. big trick they need to remember is that 
while they may only go check their hives once every three or four weeks if they're mm-hmm. doing commercial, to help you guys, they really need to do it every week. Okay. So that you get the chance to learn and see and get comfortable and develop that mindfulness skill from when the hive starts really small at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because it starts, you know, we buy five frame hives is what we install to begin with. And then those hives grow over the year. Right. As your skills grow, the hive grows. So your skills move along with it. If you just only go out once in a while, that hive is going to go past what you have learned to be able to actually stay mindful. <laughs> so you're talking about like, instead of 100 bees, now you're like 20,000 and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> well, yeah, a, a big hive at the height of summer, maybe 60,000 bees. Yeah. Oh God. And they're Jesus. all girls. They're all girls. For the you most know, part. That hive we start with is five to 6,000 bees. Wow. Is where it starts. So that's much easier to handle and manage when you're first learning. And that hive grows a little bit every week. But every week you go out and handle it, you're learning to stay mindful, stay in the moment with those bees at the same time. So your skill is developing and that mindfulness skill is developing along with the growth of the hive. So please, if you live somewhere and there's not a program and you're interested, go find beekeepers who will help you. Most parts of the country... Beekeeping starts when it warms up in the spring. You start getting days up in the low 70s and mm-hmm. ends when it gets colder than that. In the fall. So here that's, you know, somewhere in early to mid-April until mid to late October is where our beekeeping. If you're in Florida, your beekeeping season is probably most of the year. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Because that's warm. good info. But, you know, that, that's what you want. Find somebody who will go out with you every week. And if they've got 50 hives and they don't want to do them all, one or two at a time is plenty. You don't need to spend all day, an hour or two, maybe three hours as you're learning your skills because new beekeepers go much slower through the hive. Um, it's plenty. You don't have to be there all day. You don't have to do it seven days a week. One day a week, just doing some of this and then spend your week thinking about it. And most of our guys tell us they can't stop thinking about it once they've started. You know, well, they're wondering about the bees and they're wondering about, <laughs> are they doing okay today? And what are they eating today? And, you know. Wow. Okay. Well, that's great information. Thank you so much. Once again, you can you can find Thanks them for at us. <laughs> bees4vets.org, and that's with the, the number four, bees number bees4vets.org. So Daniel and Ginger, it was great having you once again. I appreciate it, and uh, hope we can stay in touch. You betcha. You know where to find us. Yep. All righty. Thank you. Right. Thank you. You betcha. Have a good night. You too. Good night.